And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 120, coming at you uh, this Saturday afternoon, because that's when we do the show, or Saturday morning, I guess, depending on where you're at. Uh, as always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since we still do the call-ins, if you can find us when we're live, uh, go ahead and give us a call. Those numbers are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. So what is going on with you this week, MC? Oh, no drama here. I just have a cold, and that's about it. (laughs) All right, well, no drama here either. Um for the most part. Oh man, I still got stuff going on. Yeah, uh, pretty pretty vanilla week. Just, you know, how did you celebrate your Independence Day? Celebrations um indoors um in Waikiki. Um I didn't notice any fireworks cuz I was inside. Um it was fun. Nice. That's one of <laughs> that's one of those like uh anarcho holidays that get everyone like up in arms like look at all these statists out there celebrating something that they don't even have anymore and like eh, i'm, I'm kind of personally i'm a little bit like over that aspect of it you know mm-hmm. like i i see the point and i go well you know one day one day this will be like you know the new independence day uh where where we get yeah, to celebrate the aliens come and attack us yeah well, see, not even that, right? Because, you know, in the movie, didn't that just, you know, create like a one world government, uh, uh, like a new world order of, of alliances to fight off the aliens? Well, I don't I don't think it was about the one world government. I think it was uh, uh, not being <laughs> ruled by the aliens, I guess. Fair enough. I mean, I, I watched them both. Not recently, but I've seen both the movies. And like I said, it's just one of those things where, I mean, it used to be like, you know, happy 4th of July, Independence Day, motherfucker. You know, and I was like, well, one day, one day we'll get to celebrate the anarchist independence, you know, from the state, from from those who wish to to lord over us. So um, you just got to celebrate your independence every day. Yes, which is which is another way to do it. Right. Which is which is one of the things that we've promoted here on the show before and, and more of the direction that I've you know said that I've been going, which is. Just eliminate the state from my life as much as possible on a regular basis, right? Like interact with them the least amount I can possibly do. Um, I forget who I was talking to. Might have been the boy. Well, it was like, you know, asking me questions uh, related to anarchism, um, you know, and, and, you know, taxes and all that other stuff. And it, it, it's, I forget how the conversation got started or where it went. But it was it, it revolved around that issue for the most part. It was like, well, how can you be an anarchist, right, and still pay taxes? I go, well, it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult, and I see the contradiction, and I see the hypocrisy. But at the same time, it's prohibitive. You know, it's, it's prohibitive to, like, be 100% anarchist and, and you know, and still survive in any type of like modern environment, right? Because for for most people, they go like, "Well, you got to eat, right?" And so you go to the store and you, and you pay the sales tax or the food tax or the restaurant tax, and it's like, "Well, you got to get to the store," so you pay the gas tax, you know, to, to fuel the vehicle or the carbon tax or whatever it happens to be, whatever taxes you happen to be paying, right? And it's it's just a modern convenience. So the only way to not do that is to like go off into the woods. And be, you know, the hermit who lives in the woods and forages and hunts, you know, for, for berries and, and, you know, small game. And go like, that's, you know, that's the anarchist right there, you know, that guy. And then, but at the same time, you know, if the state ever caught him, they'd view him as a trespasser. And then he'd have to like, you know, fight that off somehow. So it's prohibitively difficult. So I don't, I guess my, my point in telling him this uh, and, and sharing this story is that, Yes, it's difficult, and that's why, you know, me and UMC, I guess, promote it, like, minimization, right? Like, if, if you go, like, you're not an anarchist because you pay the taxes, and I go, all right, well, fine, right? What would you call me then? You know, anarchist in principle, anarchist in name only? Like, I don't know. Uh, but the idea is to, to, to minimize it as best you can, 
uh, and, and what's most expedient for you and, you know, the rest of your goals uh, in life. Make sense? Yep. Did you, uh, I'm, I'm going to bring this up real quick because I, I didn't post it as show prep. Um, and I don't know if you were following it all, but did you have, uh, did you happen to catch the, uh, mini conversation, uh, or a little back and forth between, uh, Jeff Berwick and Marshall Thurber? Negative. Negative. Okay. So I'm going to cover this real quick. Cause I have, uh, I'm a big fan of both. Um, and I, I have, uh, friends Just associated. A side note. Jeff, Go ahead. Jeff Berwick said he's going to stop drinking uh, alcohol. That is, um, what do, you, what do you think the chances of that? <laughs> I would bet a Bitcoin that he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. At least I know you've got one to pay. <laughs> and we, I, I still need to have, uh, outside of that, I still need to have that conversation with you on uh, the most expedient way to get more. Um, because in talking with uh, our good friend Cosmo Curmudgeon um, outside uh, of the show, he, he's, he's a friend and a friend of the show. Um, and, uh, you know, I... I talk to him and he goes, I'm going to call into the show and we can discuss this on air. I go, all right, call in, you know, it's a live show. So that's one of the reasons why he calls in more than, than others is because I, I, I also have conversations with him in private. Um, but he was, you know, he, he was asking me like, you know, what's the easiest way to get more? I was like, I don't know. Cause that's the conversation that I had to have, uh, with you MC. Um, he's like, there's a whole bunch of, of exchanges that are really good. Like once you have one, but until you get one, they're, they're practically useless. Um, so yeah, so there, another, there, there's another side tangent there, um, for, uh, another conversation that can be had later. Um, but so, uh, apparently, uh, Jeff Berwick had a, a conversation with Marshall Thurber. Um, if you don't know who Marshall Thurber is, he's like, uh, if you, are you familiar with the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Um, Kiyos- Robert Kiyosaki. heard of it. Okay. I think I heard of it. Okay. Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And Marshall Thurber is the rich dad that he's referring to. So so it's one of those, you know, like, oh, my God, he's, he's, the, he's the example that everyone's trying to follow that, that do the rich dad, poor dad thing. So apparently Berwick had a conversation with him. Um, and, you know, in listening to comments from Marshall Thurber, um, you know, Jeff Berg went, oh, you're an anarchist. And apparently Marshall Thurber like flipped out on Berwick. Um, and I don't remember if there's video or if it was just, uh, if, if there is video, I didn't watch the video. I just like read Berwick's accounting of it. Um, and Marshall Thurber like flipped out on Berwick saying, you know, you, you cannot put labels on me. Like I am above this labelings of things, you know. Um, and so, so Berwick posted that and like the whole like Marshall Thurber mini meltdown thing. Um, and then apparently Marshall Thurber responded right on, on his website. And I didn't read it. I didn't read the whole thing. Um, but I, I skimmed through it and you know, I, I don't know how you read articles MC. Um, but I like, I'll read the first few paragraphs and then the conclusion and then kind of read up from the conclusion. It's weird. Um, but it, it works for me as far as like how my brain pieces things together. Um, so anyway, so I did that for this article. And when I got to the conclusion, one of the things that, uh, Marshall Thurber, was saying is the reason he doesn't appreciate the labels um, is because it's not his goal uh, to to like be an anarchist, right? It, his goal is to be successful uh, and wealthy uh, and and all those things, regardless of the uh, situation or circumstance or I don't know what the, I'm, I'm missing the word uh, or the state or whatever around him. Right. Like regardless of what his position in the world happens to be or or what form of government happens to it happens to be under, um, he wants to just be successful within that environment. And he said um, a lot of other um, movements, I guess, not, also not a good word. I'm struggling with words this morning uh, uh, or other enterprises or whatever. Try to use him as their beacon, their example um, and they, they apply their label to him as a way to make them make him their hero. Uh, and so when, when Berwick, you know, called him an anarchist, he basically said that, you know, I, I'm not an anarchist because I, I don't label like that. You know, I'm not going to be your anarchist hero. Uh, you, you are not going to make me your anarchist hero by applying, you know, uh, your label to my philosophy or my mechanisms or my methods. 
so I just why I, I I was hoping that you saw it because I wanted your thoughts on on that aspect of it. Um, and again, because it kind of ties into what we're saying, right? Like you can you can be the anarchist and do the best that you can do in the environment. That's the word, the environment, the best the the best you can do in the environment that you happen to be in. Um, and I think you can still consider yourself an anarchist uh, as long as you know you're you're principled uh, as best you can for the most part. Your thoughts, MC? Um, <clears throat> wow, that's deep. But uh, yeah, d- did he say why he doesn't want to be an anarchist, or he just doesn't care? Thurber? Yeah, yeah, that was the reason because he, to him the label doesn't matter, and his his goal is to be successful regardless of the environment. So if it happens to be like a totalitarian state, he'll do whatever it takes within that environment to be successful. If it happens so to he'll be, be, he'll be the guy <clears throat> pulling the the switch in the in the gas chamber if he if he needs be. That was my interpretation based on so, what I read. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so um, yeah, I, I yeah, it, I don't know. I guess I don't know if the guy has any principles at all, and that's the thing. Like like me, I don't really care if if anybody calls me an anarchist or not. Um, I like a lot of the values uh, in the anarchist message, um, and you know, I I I draw the line of <clears throat> what would make an anarchist, and that is if if someone doesn't pay their taxes, and you say that person should should be in jail, then then you're a bad person. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much, it's pretty simple concept. Um, of course we could throw a whole bunch of curveballs in there if we had to, but, uh, I like to keep it simple. Yeah. And I'm kind of with you on that, which is, you know, which is why I have difficulty, um, with, with a lot of like outside associations because, you know, you, you, you travel, uh, you know, in your environment, you travel the world, not, not, not that I'm a world traveler. Um, but you, you, you know, you like, you move about doing your business and you interact with people. Right. And some people go like, Oh man, that guy's like really cool. Or that girl, that girl's really cool. And like, you know, man, what would it be like to engage more with them? Right. Like, you know, making friends and, and, you know, whatever, influencing people. And then, you know, I go like, man, they would, their ethical and moral structure Right is so not in alignment with with mine as far as what you just said, you know, uh, with the 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 what I'm going to call like the ethics or the the morals of of anarchism. They go like, I don't really want to, I don't want to want to be around that person at all, at all, because who knows, right? When when you know their little you know status switch will just turn on and they'll turn on me, right? It's like, um, man, I hate to use this example, but it seems perfect. Uh, like Mr. Smith in the Matrix, right? Like anyone can turn into, you know, a, 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 an Agent Smith um, at any time because they're so programmed within that system um, that it, it's almost uncontrollable for them not to, right? I, I've shared the example of my stepmom before who I, you know, I, I attempted the, the Molyneux uh, uh, would you do that to me argument or the against me argument. And she went, yeah, totally, totally would just, you know, put you in jail for doing that because it's the law and that's what the law says we need to do. Um, and I go, wow, I just, how can I, how can I be around that person knowing at any time they'll be okay with throwing me in jail for doing like no harm to anybody else? Yeah. The, the, <clears throat> the thing that's going around now, um, I've seen it a couple times just in the last two days with, with tax issues. It's pretty funny. People will respond on Facebook you know, somebody forgets to pay their tax or something or forgets to do some paperwork. And the response is, well, we're, we're all adults, you know, you're, you, you're, you should be responsible for yourself. So whatever punishment you get, that's, that's your fault. And it's like, wait a second, if we're, if we're responsible for ourselves, then why do I need to pay anything for any services that I don't want? You know, like, <laughs> let please, please let me be responsible for myself. And, um, you know, do what I want to do and leave me alone. But, uh, yeah, it's just so, so bizarre. Like, like, Oh, I didn't, you know, pay a fine. Therefore I'm an adult and I have to go to jail. Like what? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's a consequentialist mentality, 
right? Like, you know, I, I've, there was a, I was working in a parking garage and there was like a, like a beach bum. I'm gonna call him a beach bum. Cause he, he like did, did surfboard lessons, but like, you know, rode a bike with a big old cart attached to it everywhere. Um, with, with the surfboards. And it was like, you know, what I teach my kids is it's not, you know, it's not, there's no right or wrong to anything. It's just actions and consequences, right? You know, you take an action and then you live with the consequences of that action. So if your action is not paying taxes and the consequences, you go to jail, well then so be it. You know, that's, that's life. And I go, well, okay, that's fine. Right. Like it's, it's okay to, to look at things like that. Right. Because it's, it's practical to go like, okay, you know, what am I going to do? Right. Do, you know, am I going to steal the loaf of bread to feed my family? Uh, you know, then it's like, oh, well, well, what are the consequences of that going to be? Right. Do I not pay my taxes? What are the consequences of that going to be? Um, and then, and then that's when you get the, the, prag, the, the pragmatic, uh, methods of, of going about your life. And I go, well, that's all well and good for most people. Right. But where's, where's the principle in that? Where's the ethics? Where's the morality in that? Right. Can, can we at least acknowledge that that's, that some of those consequences for those actions are inherently immoral. Right. And then at least acknowledge that and go like, well, yes, if you, if you smoke weed in a non-smoking state, right, you will go to jail for quite a bit of time. Right. Let's, let's, let's acknowledge that that is the current situation, but let's also acknowledge, or let's accept that that's the current situation. And let's acknowledge that that's wrong, that it's morally reprehensible to do stuff like that and then figure out a way, you know, to, to fix that problem or to rebalance, you know, the, the, the morality and the ethics of the situation. Um, and if, if for you, that's like moving states or whatever, then so be it. Uh, but just, just being aware, not just going, not just throwing up your hands and going, Oh, well, it's just the way it is, you know, death and taxes, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, you know, let's, let's acknowledge that, okay, right now there's nothing that you can really do about it present but you can work towards a better solution and eliminating that, you know, in your life first. And then, you know, on a, on a, on a larger scale later, MC. Sounds fair. Um, yeah, I was going to say some other things, but like I said, my brain, I have a cold, my brain isn't working. <laughs> so, all right, let's just do headlines then we got, yeah, who cares? Sounds great. All right. Headline, the three stages of ownership headline recordings reveal. FBI gave man a rifle, urged him to carry out a mass shooting to defend Islam. Headline, are you a domestic terrorist? That depends on who is in power. Headline, a mother arrested for letting 10-year-old shop alone at Lego store. Headline, cops and CPS caught torturing toddler with forced catheterization to look for drugs. ACLU file suit. Uh, headline, Chicago won't allow school students to graduate without a plan for the future. Uh, headline, mainstream media now advocating all citizens spend time in prison as service to country. Uh, headline, Chris Christie enjoying a public beach, enjoying a public beach during a government shutdown is what politicians do. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Oh my gosh, don't you have anything happy this week? <laughs> Uh, well, okay. So the first one, the, the first one is, is more educational. So I thought it was kind of happy and right, it kind of ties in. Okay. And it, it somewhat ties into what I've, what I've said about, um, property and property rights in the past. So here we go. The three stages of ownership. I constantly get the question, why do we need this blockchain thing anyway? Here is why every society with a vibrant commercial life exalts private property as an institution. The entrenchment of this institution occurs in three stages. All three are essential. The first stage is to create private property itself. This is usually done out of the necessity of getting enough to eat. Contrary to every socialist claim, this doesn't happen through magic or authoritarian diktat. You need fences to grow things and raise animals, and you need your neighbors to regard them as inviolable. To invade them must become a kind of taboo, as Sigmund Freud wrote. This stage is necessary to escape primitive conditions. For society to mature, private property needs to be discovered as a technology for dealing with the problem of scarcity. The second stage involves securing that property from people who would violate the new norm, because such people will always exist 
will always and everywhere exist. Excuse me. It must be effective enough to deter them from taking your stuff. Traps, lookouts, moats, threats, and various shows of knowledge and strength to be able to keep what is yours are essential. This is the original function of what is often called policing. It is part of the method by which people can rely on the fact of ownership as a persistent feature of their lives. Otherwise, wealth creation is impossible. The, the third stage is the least understood of the three. You need some technology that compels social assent to what you regard as owned property. This is necessary to reduce the cost of securing property from invasion and creating a more stable environment for the rise of commercial life. Word of mouth can work on a limited scale. But beyond that, you need some kind of record keeping that everyone regards as objective and not subject to manipulation and fraud. This is necessary because property changes hands and moves from parent to child, from small owner to large owner, and so on. Private agreements can work in one round of trading, but in multiple rounds, confusion over titles can create serious disputes and problems. Recording ownership. This stage also requires some technological innovation. From ancient Mesopotamia, archaeologists have discovered detailed records of ownership, ledgers listing property with numbers and owners. When archaeologists, when archaeologists excavated the Mycenaean Greek site that dates from 1200 BC, they discovered it was a merchant's house precisely because of all their record keeping. It was mostly kept on stones, which does indeed create an immutable record, but is not very efficient or adaptable method of conducting business. In recent decades, scholars have unearthed a vast supply of tablets and inscriptions detailing ownership records in many parts of the Near East. Records from the 7th to the 5th century BC are revealing all kinds of documents related to estate ownership, goods for export and import, and detailed reports on raw materials. In ancient Iran, property was recorded on cylindrical tokens. Later, papyrus was the preferred writing surface, but it tends to fade. Parchment and vellum, made from lambskin, were much better because the data had greater, great longevity, but they were more expensive. So much knowledge that historians possess about enterprise in these years draw from these records, without which they would have no evidence of complex economic structures. But what historians draw from these documents today was also useful to the people living in those times. They, too, had to have some record of ownership to delineate rights, else the rights become more susceptible to invasion. Verification of ownership is also essential in dealing with long trade routes. If you couldn't verify your right to own what you were selling, you make the buyer vulnerable to all kinds of mischief at a later time. The problem doesn't only concern land and tangible property. It becomes a huge deal when it comes to money lending, interest payments, banking, and corporate partnerships. Here, record keeping becomes paramount to the business enterprise and to the historian's task of making sense of economic history. Ledgers detailing ownership rights dates from the earliest records to the, in the history of man. If you look at the history of accountancy, this is actually a huge deal, you come to realize that accounting is a useful application of the much larger issue of confirming ownership rights. The invention of numbers. Uh, Terence Keeley in his great book Sex, Science, and Profits does more than show that such records were crucial to the birth of civilization. He establishes that the need for such record was the whole reason for the invention of numbers themselves. And it makes sense. Imagine being an early goat farmer. You need to count heads of livestock in order to establish that nothing is stolen, to quantify mortality, and to discern whether your small enterprise is profitable. It's for this reason we have numbers to begin with. They certainly didn't come into being because humankind has a compulsion for counting stars in the heavens. The Phoenician al alphabet probably came about for the same reason. To facilitate commerce by gaining a great deal, uh, excuse me, to facilitate commerce by gaining a great degree of certainty over ownership claims. We have the evidence from the Bible for the need for such a technology. Moses, who proclaimed, Thou shalt not steal, had a vision of a tabernacle when he was on Mount Sinai. The youngest son of the high priest was tasked with carrying it out, but it wasn't possible without a solid technology of recording what was used for what. These are the amounts of materials used for the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the covenant law, says Exodus 38:21, which were recorded at Moses' command by the Levites under the direction of Ithamar, son of Aaron, the priest. Title companies. As enterprise grew more sophisticated in the late medieval period, recording ownership claims itself became a business, and thus the title company born. These took on new importance to American experience because property was not granted based on political connection, but rather homesteaded and traded with every manner of stipulation regarding surrounding resources. 
in times of political upheaval, being able to demonstrate your ownership claims through some objective record can make all the difference. This was true in Roman times when such records could resolve disputes with the tax farmers. But it was even true in the aftermath of the collapse of the Berlin Wall, when some effort was made to restore East, Germany, East German property to its rightful owners. Establishing who owns what is a crucial feature of ownership itself. Ambiguity over ownership is one of the more frustrating problems of the human experience. Consider the phrase, possession is nine-tenths of the law. It is of Scottish origin and said with a bit of cynicism. It is an exaggerated send-up of the constant problem all courts face of knowing who owns what. Most systems are so bad that, that judges have generally said, if you possess physically it, it is yours. Surely, there has to be a better way. The blockchain. You can notice that the technology for achieving the goal of recording rights has improved along with the increased complexity of economic structures. It followed a long trajectory. Stones, clay, papyrus, vellum, scrolls, books, databases, computer files. It makes perfect sense that in the 21st century, the digital times would cry out for another and better solution. Looking back, it is obvious that a technology that seeks to provide social assent should not be controlled by a central party. It should be seen by all and be able to be confirmed or denied by any interested party, so that consensus is realized as the claim to ownerships are being made. Here is the core function of the blockchain. It provides a distributed system for verifying claims of ownership, whatever they may be. A few years ago, this truth was not widely understood because everyone was so distracted by the incredible fact that the tokens that make the blockchain work obtained a market value and behaved like money themselves. A market created money made out of digits? That is indeed amazing. Uh, but to observe only this is to limit the implications. The blockchain today performs the same function that a record of ownership provided in the 11th century BC. It confirms that this is mine and that is yours, and thus makes possible a greater degree of peaceful trade and wealth creation. When you think of it this way, you realize that the blockchain is a new technology that provides for an ancient need. If it had existed in the 11th century BC, along with the supporting technology, it would have been used. The point is that here now, it is the future until the next technology comes along. What gives rise to such services is not the longing for edgy new gizmo or the digitalization of everything, but rather a universal human need. First, you need to claim a thing. Second, you need to defend your claim. Third, you need to, def to verify that claim against every form of theft, fraud, deception, cheating, and anyone who would use some measure of ambiguity to take what is rightfully yours. By nearly perfecting this third stage, the blockchain has earned for itself the respect and admiration of everyone who wants a more civilized life. Uh, your thoughts, MC? Um, yeah, I think the blockchain is pretty cool. Um, and there's hundreds of ways people are uh, inventing to um, get more use out of blockchain technology, not just as a transfer of value, but uh, I think that's still the most important part of blockchain, like they were saying, is to uh, efficiently um, make a record of of, uh, of value. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. I think for me, one of the things that stood out is uh, like I, I've expressed uh, similar concepts with regarding property rights, and I've, I've phrased it more as an either-or type of situation, uh, whereas... Uh, Jeffrey Tucker, the author of this article, uh, has it laid out in stages, right? Like I, I've always said, you know, okay, if, if you if you really want to get down uh, to the to, to you know to like brass tacks, the core base of 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 rights in general, I will concede that there are no rights, right? That that that, that rights as a concept, that rights themselves are just a concept. Uh, to to produce a more like he said civilized environment uh, for for people to exist in, um, but if you have a thing right and you want to claim that thing as being yours and you say this thing is mine, right? That's that you know that for him that would be like step one, right? You, you claiming the thing, homesteading the property, you know, buying the the the, the axe or whatever it happens to be, claiming this this is my thing, and for him. Uh, for the the I'm I'm gonna say disagreement even though I don't really I don't really care too much to like to argue the point that it's a disagreement to him stage stage two and three 
uh, are what I consider like the either or. Like I've always said, like once you claim the thing is yours, for it to truly be yours, one of two things has to happen, right? You either you either need to a be able to defend it against all those encroachments, or b uh, convince everyone you know to agree with you that that thing is yours. And for him, he goes like, "Well, you first you first need to uh, to defend it against all those encroachments." And then establish a record that everyone agrees that that thing is yours. So I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's wrong or that I'm right or, or vice versa. Uh, but I think we're expressing similar concepts in a different way. Um, and then, you know, the, the blockchain itself, right? The, the, the blockchain technology that's coming forward uh, for, from this article is, is, you know, his, his stage three and my of the, the or, right? Like, once you have it on the blockchain or the, the rights are established uh, in some capacity, the the necessity to continuously defend it against encroachment um, is is reduced or minimized, right? You don't you don't need to you don't need to to you know put armed guards at the front or have a, a policing service or or you know or or anything like that um, all the time, right? You just go like well. If, if a situation should arise where an encroachment occurs, right, you just, you take it to whatever, uh, you know, judiciary of record or whatever arbitration firm happens to be around at that time and, and you just present it, right? You go like, hey, did somebody broke into my house. You know, here's, here's my claim that it's my house. Look, it's on the blockchain right there, my house on the blockchain. Um, and go get the guy that did, that did it, you know, and, and bring him to justice, uh, and then, you know, so, so doing that, right. Makes it easier to facilitate the, 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 everyone agrees to it. Right. You know, like I said, everyone either needs to agree that that's yours or you got to fend off defenders. And, and this makes it an easier way for everyone to, to get on board. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't think I have anything more than that. I just, I, I found the article more interesting, less for the blockchain and the, and the history lesson and more because of the way he presented, um, the, the, the stages of property rights and the necessity of them. Anything else, MC? Uh, nope. Okay. Also a reason why, you know, ANCOM, ANCOMs and ANSOCs and, you know, the red and black anarchists are, you know, doomed to fail, uh, even knowing of all their past failures, right? Right. It's because they don't, they, they, they skip over step one and then they can, ne- they can never get to step two and three, uh, or build that, you know, build a society of, of wealth, uh, and prosperity because no one owns anything. Have you seen, um, have you seen the beaky bikes around town? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I don't really care that much. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're that, that needed, but whatever there, you know, there, there's so many other problems that the city could be fixing and, and they don't because they're not fun to fix. They're not trendy. Is it a um, city initiative though, or was it just a private company that uh, well got the, the city, city permission not, to do allowed it. them to do it? At least, I mean, I don't I don't know how private it is or how much they got paid or whatever. But okay. Um, well, I'm glad the city allowed just, it. Right, I wouldn't stop it. Yeah. All right. For those who are wondering, to, oh, sorry. Is, go ahead. It is take it is taking up space on the sidewalks and stuff like that, and that you know, I'm sure some people have complaints about the the usage um you know but whatever like i said somebody's getting paid <laughs> all right to, to unbury the lead here for a minute um if you're, if you're not familiar with uh beaky bikes i don't know if where it exists outside of where we do the show from uh hawaii um but it's basically like a bicycle ride sharing service right they they've they've put up these monstrosity monstrous uh, bike racks all over town, um, that, you know, to to hold their bikes. And you basically like you pay to ride the bike and then you park it at any of their bike racks, you know, close to wherever you're riding to. And then you get paid like a a per service fee or whatever. Um, I guess my, my general thought was, well, you know, it's great that there's a ride sharing service, right. And that, you know, the state's allowing some sort of competition or, you know, competitors into the marketplace right i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do anything on that point but i just i just my curiosity was you know economically uh how long will that last right 
because will it not will it not fall victim to uh, a, a small scale tragedy of the commons where users of the bike have no incentive to take care of the bike uh, once they repark it you know because it's not really theirs like a rent a car well what do you what do you mean after they after they park it of course they're not going to care about it but well beca- like it, it dam- damages the bike after the fact i mean well, during the fact is more what I'm thinking, right? Like because if you if you steal the bike, they ding your credit card, right? But if you if you break a spoke or something, I don't think there's I don't think there's a way to track, uh, I don't think there's a way to track that damage yeah. right to you, right? There's there's no yeah. way to verify I mean, that. There, yeah, the the bikey company is going to have to maintain the bikes, of course, and I guess their hope is that the people that spend money and appreciate the service won't intentionally damage the stuff um i think the the rides are fairly short so usually you you would get a bike and you'd ride it for 15 minutes and then you'd put it back so most people don't have it for long enough to really put that much uh wear and tear on it i guess okay um so yeah hopefully it works out and they don't uh lose too much money on it Okay. My original thought was like the renter's dilemma, right? Like you, you, whether it's a bike or a car or an an apartment or whatever, right? Because it's not yours, you're not incentivized at all to, to maintain or upkeep it uh, as you would if you were the owner. They are incentivized to get to their destination and put the bike back as soon as they can. That's true. So you, you think that that aspect of it offsets. yeah, Yeah. Okay. Because if they were to like, you know, rent the bike and then go get lunch and you know leave it somewhere and you know then somebody could steal it. They don't want somebody to steal it because then they'd have to you know explain it to the bikey company. You know that would just be a huge hassle. So yeah, most people would do that. Um, so yeah, I think I think the incentive is there to decrease the the fee as much as possible to just get on it, get to where you're going, and then put it you know put it back in another rack. Okay. Fair enough. I also was thinking um, an, another thought that, you know, people would just steal them with like prepaid credit cards or like small money bank accounts. Hmm, that's, a, that's a neat idea. Right. Because you, you put in however much money, you know, like uh, I don't know how much the bike costs. Right. But like when, when you go to the gas station to put gas, they, they put a hold on your credit card for like 150 bucks and then you fill up to that point and then they release the rest of the money back to you. So I wonder what the hold fee is you know, for, for the Beaky bike. And I wonder if it's high enough to, uh, offset the cost of the bike. Or if you put just enough, like if you put like a hundred bucks on a, on a prepaid card and swipe that, you know, your fee might only be like $3 to get to your destination. But now you've got this like, you know, bike for a hundred bucks that they'll never be able to ding the 1200 for, uh, because it's, you know, (laughs) there's no money in the account. And then if enough people do that, like someone, someone said like, well, kind of like what you said, they're not incentivized to do that because part of the the uh, the value of the Beaky bike is not having to store a bike yourself, but just having access to one. I was like, well, yeah, but you know, thieves don't store the stuff they steal; they part it out, you know, <laughs> and they make they, they, you know, like you got all these fresh bikes with brand new brakes, brand new spokes, brand new tires, and all that. You you part that out and you know, sell it to like a bike repair shop or whatever, you know, something like that. I'm, th- I'm overthinking it apparently. Um, but I just, I was like, how would nobody, how is nobody thinking about stealing this with just a small money card? If the bikes are that expensive, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. We shall see. That's my prediction. Then I uh, will, we'll, we'll, we'll see if I'm right. Damaged bikes and stolen bikes, because you know, that's, that should be what happens. All right. Short tangent. Uh, any other thoughts on, on property rights or, or that in general blockchain? Uh, no. All right. Let me do this one then. Mother arrested for letting 10-year-old shop uh, alone at Lego store. An upstate New York mom has been arrested for the unspeakable crime. She allowed her 10-year-old child to shop alone at the Lego store in the local mall while she shopped in a different store. The horror Uh, Rochester station WHEC reports 
The Ontario County Sheriff's Office said that a Pittsford, Pittsford mother is accused of leaving her 10-year-old child alone in the Lego store in Eastview Mall while she shopped. Deputies say that 44-year-old uh, Jia Fan was arrested uh, at about 5.37 p.m. Sunday evening. She is charged with endangering the welfare of a child. Ah, yes, that poor endangered child, or a kid, surrounded by small pieces of plastic. Uh, alert readers may recall that in 2014, a mom in Long Island, New York, was arrested for leaving her 7-year-old at the Roosevelt Field Mall Lego store for 1 hour and 20 minutes while she shopped elsewhere in the mall. And in 2015, a Lego store in Canada detained an 11-year-old for being too young to shop alone. That child's father, Doug Dunlop, wrote a letter to the company. Uh, Dear Lego, today our son was in the Lego store at Chinook Mall, Calgary, Alberta. He had, he had over $200 as one intended to purchase some Lego with it. Imagine my surprise when I entered the store and found that the manager had called the security guard to detain my son. I spoke to the security guard who told me that the Lego store requires a parent to be with any child 12 or under. He stated that it was a Lego store policy and he was just enforcing it. I then followed the guard to the manager and asked him why he would call security on my son. He said that for safety reasons, no child under 12 could be left unattended in the store. Is a child's age of double digits unattended or simply on their own if they are out in public with an adult chaperone? One label implies negligence on the part of the parent. The other implies a parent who has raised a competent young adult. Another question. Did Lego call the cops on the latest kid, or did the cops stumble upon the kid on their own? Uh, the Lego corporate press office has still not responded to my request for comment. The manager of the Eastview Mall Lego store, Dan Prouty, uh, told me that he could not comment on whether or not someone at the store had called the cops. But Prouty did acknowledge that there's a sign in the store window that says in his words, Children under the age of 12 are not allowed to be unattended in the store. Uh, that's paraphrased a little bit. Official Lego policy does seem to be obsessed with age liability. Uh, consider these admission rules at the Legoland Toronto. Uh, please note, children under 17 and under must be accompanied by an adult supervisor 18 years of age or older. Adults will not be admitted without a child, with the exception of adults-only night. Uh, as for the mom in the upstate New York, WHC says she was given an appearance ticket and is expected to answer the charge in Victortown Court on a future date. Uh, so your thoughts on this, MC, of, of leaving a child untended, abandoned? Uh, I don't have very many thoughts on it. I mean, for one thing, it is their store. They can have their own rules, I guess, right? True. Um, do I think they should have called the cops or just, you know, thrown them out of the store? I think I think it'd be funnier if they just, hey, kid, you know, get out of here. You're, you're too young to be in here. That would have been hilarious. Something similar like that happened to me. Uh, you know, I, I was an unattended child uh, when when um, visiting my mom's house because, you know, it's it's weird because she's okay. Like, my mom is okay with, like, you know, boys doing their own thing, but girls must be protected. So when, when, we, were, when we were kids, like, we would just ride our bike all over town, like, leave a note on the board because we didn't have cell phones back then, right? Like, you know, uh, on our bikes in town, be back for dinner. Bye mom. Love you. Right. That's kind of, and then we'd show back up for dinner and it was no big deal. Um, but one time we were riding our bikes and it's like, man, we're hungry. And it was like late at night or whatever. And you know, the restaurant was closed. So we rode our bikes through the drive-thru, uh, and got like kicked out of the drive-thru. Like, Oh yeah, you kids get off my lane. I'm like, dude, I just wanted tacos, man. Like, you know, why, why are you screaming? Like bicycles are not allowed in the drive-thru. I was like, really? Because I'm already here. You know, like, you can just sell me some tacos. And, you know, so, no, we were we were thwarted on that attempt to, to get some food. Um, you know, and, and looking back on it, like, stupid on their part. Well within their rights, you know, to, to, to kick us out uh, off their property. But at the same time, like, we're hungry customers with money to spend. Right. So even if you're, I, I, from, from Lego's perspective, right, it's probably more like they don't want parents leaving their kids to just play with Legos all day long while they're at the mall shopping kind of a thing. But, you know, from, from the store associate or the manager's perspective, I, I think you can discern that more easily over time if you just allow things to be right. Like if you got like, you know, this, uh, uh 11 year old or whatever, however old, seven year old with money to spend, right? Just wanted to buy some Legos and he's, you know, browsing and not, 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 uh, 
raising havoc or creating a ruckus, but just like shopping, right? Just just looking around. I don't see why you would have to overreact and be like, oh my God, he might be too young to be in here. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Uh, security, 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 child alert, child alert. I mean, you're a toy store for God's sakes, right? <laughs> you know, like, you know, so, some degree of common sense uh, would probably go a long way um, in that situation. Your thoughts? Yeah, hopefully. Somebody's trying to call. It's Cosmo. He just texted me. Hello, are you there? Caller, you're on the air. It's Cosmo Cromudgeon. Oh, man, we were just talking about you, Cosmo. Well, I have no idea why. What general issue have you been discussing? I've heard we callers can be quite an interruption at times. You were always an interruption. Uh, we, we just did a couple of articles, uh, one on blockchain. Uh, we, blockchain and... and well, the the one on blockchain was um, more how the the how the blockchain can be used to establish property rights, um, and then the other one we just did uh, was uh, uh, leaving children unattended in stores and people getting arrested for that. So, did you want to comment on either of those, yeah. or did you have a, a, a specific topic you wanted to discuss no, this morning? I, well, I had something in mind, and I didn't want to take up a lot of time. Uh, uh, it can dove, I, I can dovetail it in so that I'm not completely off topic. Uh, what was your opinion of, uh, of people getting arrested for leaving children unattended in stores? Uh, well, we established that the stores have a right to evict whomever they wish based on uh, uh, you know, property rights. Uh, but that, uh, my opinion so far was that the state shouldn't interfere with that. Um, arresting the parents for the children, like the children should be evicted and whatever, but it's bad policy on the store's part, especially a toy store for not letting children be in there. Yeah. I, I, uh, what did I do? I think I befriended, um, Oh no, I took my niece to, uh, to, uh, not my niece. It's um, Ari's niece. Also your uh, niece now then not my blood niece. Yeah. Okay. My niece to, Ross and uh, uh, I, I joke around sometimes just absurd things that it, it, no one even thinks they're funny but I was joking around one of the sales ladies uh, you know, something to the effect that I just found her or something and, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and anyway I think we were looking for a jacket and uh, I, I don't know that we found one or not and I went out and, and went home with her, and and uh, and then I think I went off to the gym or something. And then shortly thereafter, the police came by my house, and some lady had followed me out and taken down my license plate number and called the police or heard that I had kidnapped her. Nice. So it's a. Uh, uh, See, we we it's run about into- being left. I don't know. It's not. The, the thing is, there's too much overreach in, in this country, and, and, and that doubles into why I really did call in, is it's bizarro world. It's absolutely out of control, the amount of rules and laws in this country. This is the opposite of free. It reminds me of Hong Kong, and I may or may not be right on this, but let's just for, give, give, for, for uh, the purpose of this small point, say that I'm right, that Hong Kong actually means sweet-smelling harbor. It means, you know, that it's... And actually, it's the stinkiest, most polluted, most disgusting harbor in the world. Yay, capitalism. And it... it, Yeah, and it goes to, you know, the, the very first... One of the very first things we think of in the U.S., that this is the land of the free. We are absolutely not free. It... So How did you celebrate your Independence it isn't Day? Even ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> I did not. I did <laughs> not. I did not. It ha- it has no meaning to me. Uh, Halloween's my favorite holiday. Because you can go out without a mask uh, on <laughs> and scare people. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did that but once I, at a job. I had a mask on, and then like the child was like freaking out. So I'm like, oh, let me just take the mask off. And then I had like the full beard and the long hair, and the child freaked out even more. And it freaked him out even more. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a scary so, looking um, dude. I, I I had two comments. One okay. one one um uh, uh, uh might be uh uh combative in nature. Uh, because I'm calling the anarchist connection, and the other uh, is not going to be. But I, I read an article. It actually angered me. It, it was, uh, it was. Uh, I guess he's the editor or something of the Australian. Have you heard of that? He's uh, probably Australian. I'm guessing. Otherwise, why would he call it the Australian? Uh, uh, older stuff shirt. Uh, maybe uh, 65 years old. Uh, overweight in a shirt and tie and coat looks like uh, some typical jackass white guy, and uh, he uh, he said basically that um, cryptocurrency is uh, developed by anarchists in the hope to overthrow uh, the banking system and our current system. God, I hope and so. He said, yes. <laughs> I agree, but he sounds said, like a good thing so he far. Said, um, it's, <laughs> you know, it, um, he, he said that, that, that it's never going to happen. It's never going to be worth anything. Uh, you, that, that we're all wasting our money. That we can trade them all we like, like baseball cards uh, or, or tokens or whatever, and and enjoy our fun. But uh, and and he said that blockchain is promising, and a very interesting uh, new development and concept. But uh, cryptocurrency uh, is in a bubble and will pop and will be gone, and there there and it won't exist anymore. And uh, uh, that it's a it's a effort to overthrow governments and. Uh, I, I agree with you uh, that that I hope I hope it does overthrow the banking system. They deserve it. The fucks. <laughs> um, they they actually destroyed us. Right. right in two thousand, right. they so destroyed just, us, and then they blamed us for it. I I had a conversation recently about this, and and I brought up uh, uh, Illinois, and I and I, I I'm thinking like who would who would give them money like they're they're horribly ran and so what ki- what kind of idiot would give the government of Illinois or Chicago any any money like what sense does that make and the reason is is because the the banks are in bed with or in control of the governments and they can get away with uh loaning money at high interest rates to governments which uh, will just tax the people to to pay it back um, so the solution to me is 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 bankruptcy like the the problem was easy money and the solution is no more easy money so claim bankruptcy don't pay them back and don't use debt anymore um, pay as you go and I, I think that would be a great thing um, Unfortunately, none of the politicians want to have that happen under their watch, and the bankers won't let anybody into politics uh, while they well while they still still are owed all this money. So um, that's the the problem. The problem of uh, corporatism is uh, very very strong in the U.S. Yeah. It's it's all too strong here. It's uh, it's out of control. It's out of control. Yeah, I uh, uh, there's more freedom in in some oppressed countries than than there is here. Even corruption is a form of freedom. You can just pay pay people off and and do what you want in other countries. Here, you, you can't even do that. It's so damn complicated. So many rules and regulations. Well, the other thing is, you know, I don't know what I am, probably, uh, and I don't even understand. I'll have to look it up and read what it is, but I might well be a nihilist. 
but even even I'm not a true nihilist, right? Because I wouldn't I I, I wouldn't exist anymore, would I? That's my general opinion so, for nihilists. I'm not, so, huh? I said that's my general opinion Say about again? nihilists. Uh, uh, true nihilists are dead it because <laughs> so are dead. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, nevertheless, let's call me a nihilist. Uh, I'll identify with that, uh, uh, but not that pure nihilist, am I? Uh, now, to to anarchists, I I just feel like uh, a pure pure anarchism is is just not going to work. Just like with uh, cryptocurrency, there ha- there have to be some set of rules, and they're they're. They're better. They're more pure than the current banking system. Okay, uh, but so I, I popped open Facebook this morning, but, Cosmo. But with, with, I I, yeah. I just want I want to read just a little bit of this to you real quick, because um, I popped open Facebook this morning to to get all my articles lined up for show prep, and this was the first post from one of my friends on Facebook. Uh, this is uh, him and a minarchist having a conversation. So minarchist, I think most taxation What's is a minarchist. Uh, something that you might identify What's with. A minarchist. Uh, someone who believes in very, very okay. limited government. But you're, you're about to find out in this example. Okay. Minarchist. I think most taxation is theft, but we need a little bit of theft in order to make sure government protects our property rights. Uh, me. So we need government to violate our property rights in order to protect our property rights? No thanks. Uh, and then he goes on to, to, to give... Uh, uh, a lengthy dissertation from uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe, uh, who might you might enjoy reading, Cosmo, if you ever decide to pick up uh, one of those types of books. So it's basically like your your general claim is like I kind of like the ideas of anarchy, but I don't think it'll work practically. So we need a little bit of the state, right, to to facilitate uh, the principles of anarchy. Is that am I am I yes. right? And so, yes, the the minarchist, the minarchist, and I, I, I first time I've heard the word, and and your your one or two line definition uh, fits what I think uh, anarchists truly would want, even you. And I would say no, because in the I, end, I I think maybe the common goal. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we we might share a common goal, right? But I would never. I, I, as an anarchist, would never agree with the initiation of force or a little bit of violation in order to, uh, say, maximize um, that, uh, th- that, that environment, right? Like, I go like, well, I'd rather, t- I'd rather have the risk, right, of fending off a gang um, in order to, to get 100% freedom, right, than live under the thumb of a gang to get 90% of it, right? Like people always ask me, like if taxation was 1%, right, would, would you then be okay? Mm-hmm. And I go, I would hope that mm-hmm. I would still fight for that 1%, right? Like I would go like, okay, so it's not, nobody else is going to fight this because it's so inconvenient, right? Like, you know, if, if the founding fathers had HDTV, there'd be no revolution. Um, I've said that before too. Um, but I would think that the the people of true principle would say, no, 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 even at 1%, right, it's still a violation. And if we can be this well off, right, you know, at 99% uh, tax-free, right, then then 100% is probably not going to be that much further down the line, right? Like it, 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 that, that 1% is not offering us that level of safety and protection um, that we can't just achieve by eliminating that taxation and just going 100% freedom. Does that make sense? I hear what you're saying. I, I don't know. I don't know that I I, I agree. Uh, why don't I uh, read up uh, minarchists and uh, call in on a future show, and we'll leave it at that for now. Sounds good. We're about the the end of our our hour long that we do anyway, so that'd be perfect. Well, wonderful gentlemen. Uh, thank you for uh, letting me call in. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Cosmo. Bye bye now. Did you have any Alrighty. thoughts on that, MC, or any anything else to add? Oh, not really. Um, All right, that about does it for me. Yep, you go get some rest and get better. 
Uh, that'll do it for us as well. MC's done. I'm done. Uh, you know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. If you want to join in on the discussion and the groups, uh, like Cosmo read an article, he could have posted that in the groups for show prep, and then we could have easily more uh, talked about it and discussed it with him. Uh, do that on facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience, uh, and we take donations through Patreon uh, to, to help us with the show, or just why not, because, you know, we'd like getting money. Uh, Patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to y'all next week. Peace.